The Will Cain Show podcast is presented by the Capital One Saver Card. Earn 4% cash back on dining and entertainment, 2% at grocery stores, and 1% on all of their purchases. Are we doing all Vilma requests today? Is it, it's going to be your... You should, though, because it's your last Friday with me for you, a while, uh, right? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Unless you want to come up. I could. Wait, you get a new partner in January. Yeah, I know. A new co-host, I mean, excuse me, not partner. Not your life mate, not your soulmate. But you do get spend a, a lot of time with him. You though. do get a co-host. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can come back up, though. I don't know that we – I can't cover your expenses. You'll have to talk to somebody else. But you're already paying me under the table. I mean, what's up? <laughs> what's going you, on, right? Ryan? We told everybody it's because you like me so much, and that's why you're on. So, Brewski later, <laughs> Tennessee's a mess. Do NFL teams tank? Vilma today, Rosillo show. It's ESPN Radio. But the breaking news from moments ago, he has it up on ESPN.com. Jimbo Fisher out at Florida State, resigning, taking the job with Texas A&M. It is a massive contract. So, all the moving parts. Mark Schleyball has that story. is reported, again, as ESPN.com. It's the front page right now. Mark, all right. Uh, how did this week play out? What, what was what was the expectation of Florida State side? What did Jimbo want to do? Tell us all the details. Well, I think Jimbo knew he was going to Florida State. As you mentioned, it's a massive contract. I still haven't nailed down the number of years, but I think it's going to pay him an average of $7.5 million a year, which is going to make him the second highest paid coach in college football, only behind Nick Saban. Uh, he hoped to, to finish it at Florida State. Uh, and coaching Saturday's uh, regular season finale against Louisiana Monroe, but I mean it just became too difficult during the week. I mean there were this, there was the situation uh, at the at the TV show where the guy asked the question about his loyalty. Um, there were players that were beginning to to say that if he came back, they wouldn't come back because they didn't trust him anymore. I mean people were staking out his house. His Christmas tree was on the curb this morning, so it got too weird. And the board of trustees at the excuse me, the athletic board at Florida State met this morning. I think they went to him and, and urged him to go ahead and make up a decision. He resigned, and he's going to be named Texas A&M's coach some point this weekend or, or Monday at the latest. Mark, what is attractive to Jimbo? What do you believe is attractive to Jimbo about the Texas A&M opportunity? You know, I, I think it's a you know, I think he's been at Florida State for eight years. I, I think his acts worn a little bit thin, and I think he's tired of getting heads with the Florida State administration over facilities and things like that. He wanted a standalone football facility uh, like Clemson has, like Alabama has, and, and Georgia and some other places have, and he felt that they had fallen behind in facilities, which hurts him in recruiting. You know, the Florida State people had plans to do it. It was going to take a couple of years because of, of some land issues logistical issues but um you know they felt like they still had the best facilities of any fbs program in the state of florida so they thought they had enough i think another factor is after this season's struggles i think jimbo knew he was going to have to make some changes to his coaching staff and he's been pretty loyal to his friends and, and i think it's easier to make those decisions when you when you make a change and, and maybe don't take guys with you well okay i i hear that about the facilities i understand that um, I also understand about the coaching decisions he would have to make, some tough ones. But what about the players? What about recruiting? And I'm not talking about loyalty to FSU players. I'm talking about when you when you look at the talent that's at Texas A&M, you look at the talent on paper that's at FSU, what, does that play a factor? If, I, if I'm Jimbo and saying, man, I have work to do at the Texas A&M side? 
Yeah, I mean, I, look, Texas A&M has, has everything you'd want in a program except for history of success, really, for the most part. I mean, you know, the Chancellor Sharp said it yesterday. I mean, we've got the best stadium in the SEC. We've got the best facilities in the SEC. And we, we intend to have the best coach in the SEC when this is all over. Uh, Texas A&M is, is not afraid to spend money. And it's not like he's going from – Florida State to Oregon State. I mean, he's moving into one of the biggest hotbeds there are uh, for for college football recruits. He can find all the players he needs in Texas A&M. And, you know, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a new challenge for him, too. But I think a big part of it is money. I mean, this, I think this, this, this is going to be massive money. It's going to be a Nick Saban type deal. Okay, final thought here. I guess it makes sense then for Florida State to go after Shiano now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think what Willie Taggart from Oregon. I can't believe you said that, Ryan. Um, <laughs> I, I, I was told that Stan Wilcox, their athletic director, I was told a week ago that if Jimbo left, they were going to try to target a minority candidate if possible. I think Willie Taggart, who's a Bradenton, Florida native, coached at USF, has had a lot of success recruiting down there. I think he'll be at the top of the list. I've heard Kevin Sumlin's name a little bit. I think Kevin would be a great candidate, but I just I have a hard time believing FSU is going to do a swap with the guy that the school that just stole their coach. Uh, Charlie Strong at USF could be another possibility. Maybe Justin Fuente from Virginia Tech, um, but it's an attractive job, you know. And maybe, I mean, I, I my personal opinion is Scott Frost is signed, sealed, and delivered to Nebraska. But does a job like Florida State pique his interest at all? I mean, it's it's one of the top ten, fifteen jobs in the country. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good point here because the facility thing is is so dumb because we're getting pictures now from FSU Twitter sent it to us like we didn't think you were playing in a cardboard box. <laughs> yeah. But when Jimbo brings it up all the time about the standalone facility, and who knows, man, I mean that LSU thing was very close, Mark. So this could yeah. have been somebody that was already looking on and and that's why this was easier anyway. So hey, look, great job on this story. And if Philip Fulmer takes over and it ends up being a former linebacker at Tennessee as the head coach, we'll call you back, all right? Okay. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks a lot. That's Mark Schleybaugh. Great job, as always, on college football. That report up on ESPN.com. So you're getting a lot of that as the you guy because as we were sitting here talking about the facilities, I can only cite everything I've read in the last few weeks getting more up-to-date on this Jimbo thing. He brought the facilities all the time. Now people are sending us pictures, and you go, look, we understand it looks really good. Right. But if he's going, Clemson has this, Bama has this. I, I want that. We're Florida State, and he's not getting it. I, I wonder deep down if Jimbo was like, you know what, I just want to go somewhere else. I want to get out of the state that's of Florida. That's the feeling I get. And that, it's $70 million, so yeah. who are we kidding? <clears throat> that, that's the feeling I get because you can't tell me the the reason you're leaving is for a facility. You, everything that I'm hearing, and that's why I can't believe it. it has it's true, is that we're leaving. I'm leaving for everything besides the players. I'm leaving for the facilities. I'm leaving because – the, the booster is going to dump a lot of money into whatever I want, and I'm going to get everything I need. And it's like the game is about the players. End of the day, that's what it's about. So I, I find it very hard to believe that because LSU has uh, top-notch facilities and Clemson does and Bama does, that all of a sudden he just cannot coach at FSU. Like, stop it. Yeah, I think what you do is is you always ask for that stuff because you end up getting it. Right, and then and that's the thing. They said that they were yeah. in the in the works of getting. Yeah, that it was going to take a little. It bit was going to take a little longer. Maybe they were stretching it out or whatever. Who knows? But they, if they're saying they were going to do it, then they're going to do it. It's seven and a half million a year. There you go. I don't think he wants to be in the state of Florida. We already know about the LSU stuff. Well, maybe because the state of Florida got a little tougher. 
You look at Coach Rick, what he's doing down in Miami. As far as recruiting, again, yeah. I go back to the players because any any college coach that I've been around that's worth a salt always talks about how they got to go get the guys. They need the guys. They need the players. They need the players. They want to recruit. I rarely hear a coach talk about all the other things being a factor why they cannot be at the university. And and it will go with Mark Rick, for example. Our, our UN's facilities aren't the best. But there is a hotbed of talent down there, and he knows he can recruit. His philosophy is the same as when he was at Georgia. Get 85% of your team from, let's call this, whatever border you want to put. He had the border around Georgia. He has the border around Miami. Then you get some top-notch guys. being in one of those two states. <laughs> exactly, right? And then you get We're these top-notch guys. border around Minnesota. And, yeah, that's it. <laughs> It's not saying much, <laughs> but you you get my point that that's the thought process of these coaches, these college coaches. They're like, this is what I need to do and get these guys. I want to pick all the conference championship games. Okay, the five. I'm, I'm sorry okay. to UCF, um, but I also power want, five. Yeah, yeah. Power yeah. Five. yeah. I want your pick for who you think Florida State should go after next. Okay. Ooh, like right now on the spot. Well, no, like in a couple minutes. It's still on the spot, basically on the spot. Yeah, but what are you doing all season, man? <laughs> Not thinking Jimbo's going to leave to Texas A&M. Really? The last week? You, this is <laughs> well, a surprise yeah, to you? Okay, so I got a week. Okay, so you have you have seven minutes to give me your top <laughs> guy that you would go after if you were Florida State right. right now. And we're going to pick the Power 5 Conference Championship games with Vilma here, the Rosillo Show. Bowl season is looming. Tune in tomorrow for the Big 12 Championship game that's presented by the 2018 Ford F-150. Coverage begins at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPNRadio.com, and the ESPN app. All the conference games right here. ESPN Radio. In life, there are talkers and there are doers. Sometimes it's not hard to tell the difference. Mike Bloomberg has spent his life getting big things done. Starting his business out of a one-room office, Mike built a company with 20,000 employees, all with good pay and quality health care. Elected mayor in the aftermath of 9-11, Mike got to work helping rebuild a shaken city, creating nearly 500,000 new jobs and expanding health care for nearly 700,000 New Yorkers. Now, there's a clear choice. Do you want a debater or a doer? Someone who can fix health care, who's done it. A guy who's unafraid of tough challenges, who has a track record creating jobs, who's taken on the NRA and won. That's Mike Bloomberg, a proven leader who can unite our country and get big things done. That's who can beat Trump. That's who we need in the White House. I'm Mike Bloomberg, candidate for president, and I approve this message. Paid for by Mike Bloomberg 2020. Geico presents, oh boy, another voicemail from your roommate. Hey, I got some bad news. Someone broke into our apartment and they took your TV and your computer. But what's most upsetting is they took my water bottle. Oh wait, there it is. I was really worried for a second. Oh, they took your stereo too. The Geico Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected. Like if your roommate is only worried about her $2 aluminum water bottle. Visit Geico.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance. We haven't done any NFL yet, and that's not really by design. Usually we'd be doing more on a Friday, especially with Vilma here, but he's part of our college football coverage. We've had the Florida State head coach, Jimbo Fisher, resign. Mm-hmm. You have the daily mess. I mean, Tennessee's two-a-days right now with bad stories coming out of Knoxville as they try to figure out what's going on there. A hostile takeover, perhaps, by Philip Fulmer, who may be trying to be the AD down there. But we haven't picked any of the conference games yet. We're going to do our spread stuff, the pick six, later. 
But I just kind of wanted to do the games because I feel, still think it's so hard to just figure outright who's going to win some of these. we got Vilma here, the Rosillo Show. Let's pick these conference title games. The weekend preview mm. on the Rosillo Show brought to you by GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit us at geico.com or call 1-800-947-AUTO. First one. The Pac-12. Number 10 USC versus number 12 Stanford. Oh, man, it's a tough one. I want I want to take Stanford so badly because of Bryce Love, because of the running game. Uh, but I remember week two when <clears throat> USC was healthy and they beat up Stanford. And USC is pretty still much the quarterback, up. though. I mean, it's a completely different situation now for Stanford, don't you think? Yeah, well, different quarterback. But I'm just talking about when you look at USC early on, they're, they're resting now. They have some players back. So – they remind me of the team that we thought was going to make a title run. And now that they're a little healthy, they went through the whole season, no no bye week, finally got a bye week, and then now they're playing Stanford. I just feel like the talent is going to take over. The team that we thought they were going to be early on in the season, the running game is going to get going. Remember, Stanford couldn't stop the run. That was surprising. Shaw's defense wasn't good early on, so I got to take Stanford. I No, I got to take USC. Yeah, Excuse I was me. like, wait a minute. Okay, yeah, you got to take USC. Me. Much better team with Costello than what yes. they were in the beginning of the year. Agreed. And even Costello, when I watch him, I go, oh, I don't know. And now, like, I thought he was really good against Notre Dame. That yes. was an impressive win. I know everybody wants to knock Notre Dame all the time, which conversely doesn't help USC's cause because they have the loss to Washington State in a night where it was a disaster, but Darnold was bad in that one, mm-hmm. and they get house going to South Bend. I wish there was a way I could find a way to talk USC into still being alive in the playoff. I just don't see it now with Notre Dame in the second loss, even if they got the Pac-12 championship, because I'm not sure there's a ton of separation between any of the conferences. Whoever the best one is, I'm still not sure. And I don't don't think it's entirely fair to just say the Pac-12 is so much worse than the rest of these conferences. But I'm with you. I'm going with USC. The SEC, number two Auburn versus number six Georgia. Because we have rematches here, I know how tough it is. And this is especially true in the NFL when you end a regular season and you may face that team in the playoff again. I mean, what greater motivation than just losing to the team that now maybe is standing in your way for two playing for a national title? <clears throat> yep, two weeks ago. You know, I I look at this one a little differently than USC Stanford because Georgia is as talented as Auburn. Uh, and you go across the board, and at some positions, one team is better than the other team. But, you know, to, when you say as a whole, Auburn and Georgia, they're, they're definitely – very equally talented. And so I take into account when I lost to the Atlanta Falcons, for example, early on in, in the season, and then we play them now for playoff potential and division potential, uh, division winning division, et cetera. Mm-hmm. There is a sense of pride by that now goes into the game. Forget scheme. It's just that the fact that you beat me and you beat me up, I'm going to go out there and I'm looking, kick your butt. You know, I don't care what coach dials up, blitz, no blitz, whatever it is, I'm I'm going 100 miles an hour. So I feel like if Georgia has any sense of pride leadership, that that is going to be a huge factor going against Auburn, and it's going to be the reason that they win a very close game. All right, I'm going Auburn here. I feel like even though I'm worried, obviously Petway's been out, on Johnson's still not sure, Martin gets banged up. Thin- it's a big – uh, 
issue right there. It Carry is. On Johnson. I, not Petway. Carry no, on Johnson. Petway, I mean, we've already moved past, but Carry yes. on has been so good, and then he goes down with that shoulder injury. But Stidham was so good running the football against Alabama with yeah. things are breaking down on third down. There's no reason why he can't do that again. I'm just thinking and, about those linebackers at D line. My they they're gonna you think that they were nasty last week and prior weeks before that Auburn game, man. They're they're coming. Yeah, Jeff Holland, everything he's done. So all right, we gotta run through we got three more of these are gonna be quicker. The ACC, number one Clemson versus number seven Miami. Yeah, I'll probably figure that out. Yeah, we'll be quick on this, Miami. No no reasons why, just Miami. Okay, I got Clemson <laughs> in that one. Here we go, two more. The Big 12, number three Oklahoma versus number 11 TCU. Mm, I'm taking uh, Baker Mayfield. He's a Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, when you have a phenomenal quarterback playing at the level he's playing, you got to take that. Uh, as much as I love TCU and their defense, I'm taking Oklahoma. I want to pick one of the teams that already lost. You know, I wanted to pick Georgia. Going, it's going to be different. That right. motivating factor, things that we're not thinking about. TCU feeling like, hey, we just lost to these guys. Yes. All right. How could they? How can Oklahoma be as motivated as TCU? I don't think it's humanly possible when you're the team that's lost. But I also don't think that anybody can stop Baker Mayfield really. So, I, I don't, I don't see it with TCU, so I'm yep. going Oklahoma. Last one. The Big Ten. Number four, Wisconsin versus number eight, Ohio State. Yeah, I'm taking Wisconsin, and Wisconsin to me right now is the best team in football. Uh, not the most talented, not not anything that wows you on paper, wows you on the film, but they play defense just as good as anybody. They run the ball just as good as anybody. Special teams just as good as anybody. Uh, they are undefeated, which counts for something in my world, and it should count for pe- for something in other people's world. And Ohio State, you don't know what you're going to get. You can get either the Ohio State that rolls on Michigan or the Ohio State that gets rolled on by Iowa. I don't know which one is going to show up, and I'm taking Wisconsin because they've been consistent and they're the best team. I can't believe this is happening. Both of us are actually taking Wisconsin. Ooh. If this one turns into a Buckeye blowout, I'm not going to be surprised yeah. because the Buckeyes are the more talented football team. Agreed. But they're so incredibly inconsistent. The Buckeyes, to me this year, other than that stretch against Penn State, are a team that is not that good against some opponents and destroys, looks special against inferior opponents. So I don't know if that's going to happen. Actually, Hornibrook hasn't been that good. He, he hasn't. hasn't. The you know, running game has been really the good. Running, Taylor has been incredible. Their yep. freshman running back, maybe just a mention, a passing drive-by mention of him being a Heisman candidate. It's not going to happen. He hasn't been talked about enough. But their defense is terrific. So yeah, Wisconsin in a close one, sure. Ohio State in a blowout, fine. I got to pick one. I'm going. I can't believe both of us are picking the Badgers, which would maybe block Alabama out of the entire college football playoff. That really would if you, if you had that happen. Hey, tell us what you think is going to happen this weekend because we're going to read all of those tweets very closely because we <laughs> care so much. One eight hundred flowers dot com Twitter feed. We dry cry. show. That's right. Uh, can you tank in the NFL? And a question I think we should all ask about how we feel about Josh Gordon's return to the league. With Vilma, the Rosilla Show, ESPN Radio. I got that electricity charge inside. Energy like the lightning strike. Take one spark and I will ignite. Never stopping, I won't stand by. Now that Human Resources Director Ryan Lee has Kronos for HR, payroll, talent, and time, he's really on top of his game. He even has his own hype song. I'm the best beyond belief. I got strength and got the speed. I got the entire workforce. Complete with different hours, skill sets, and pay grades. No, nobody catching up. 
Then I fast or strong enough. I got that electricity charging inside. Take one spark and I'm attracting and engaging the best people every step of the way. Never stopping, I won't stand by. Kronos, HR solutions for the modern workforce and the people who support them. Learn more at Kronos.com slash HR Swagger. Never stopping, I won't stand by. We got Vilma in the house all Friday. Uh, always great to be visiting with him. And we'll get you the latest on Jimbo Fisher resigning as head coach of Florida State, heading out to AM. What's next for the Seminoles in Tennessee, which very well could have led every single hour we did the show until we got the Florida State news. So, Tennessee, maybe a little exhale here as everybody focuses on what's going on down in Tallahassee. I want to play some audio for you from Adam Schefter yesterday, Vilma, okay? Because okay. this whole Eli thing. We're left with, okay, why would you do this? Why would you do this? Somebody you respect so much has meant so much to the franchise. Some yeah. of it could be just a lot of, look, the evaluation, he isn't playing that well. We want to bench him. But then you're benching him for Geno, but are you really benching him for Davis Webb because you drafted him and you want to see what you have here? But I thought, my first thing was, you have the third worst record. Mm-hmm. There's one, maybe quarterback at the top. We look at the price of just moving up one spot. The Bears gave up two-thirds and a fourth just to move up from three to two to get Trubisky. Mm-hmm. So if the Browns take one and then you like another quarterback at two, do they want to tank? Are they making sure they don't win the rest of these games? Here was Schefter's response as he disagreed. First of all, I don't buy tanking for anybody in the NFL. You know, they're not playing for ping pong bowls like it is in the NBA. The coaches work round the clock all week long. They're they're trying to preserve their jobs. Why are they tanking? They're going to tank so they get fired? The players who are on non-guaranteed contracts, many of whom will be free agents, we're playing for dollars on a weekly basis. They're tanking. Who's tanking and what's the motivation to tank? The fan base may want them to tank, may want them to lose. That's fine. I got that. Yeah. But, but I assure you, in football, the idea of tanking is preposterous. Okay. He makes uh, some very good points. Makes some very good points about why it'd be very difficult for coaches and players to tank. I think there is a a degree or different levels of tanking, so to speak. So before I get into that, first, you you weren't winning with Eli Manning starting at quarterback. So to remove him from the starting position has no bearing on if you're trying to tank or not because you're already losing with him at quarterback. So that's one to eliminate anyone thinking that philosophy. Now, when I say there's different levels, you have players, and I mentioned this probably a couple months back, that watching film on the Giants, um, in particular their defense, I saw guys that were making what we call, or what they call, business decisions, where they would turn down hits, turn down tackles. Uh, Running back is running their way. They just want to stay blocked by the receiver or the tight end because, hey, I'm getting blocked, and then they just let the running back run in for a touchdown and run for 20, 30 yards. So, no, they're not necessarily tanking the way basketball would tank and they just literally lose the rest of the games or however it works for basketball. But there are players that aren't throwing it on the line every play, every down, as if you were in the running for a division title and number one seed in the playoffs. So there, there's, there's, like, there's a level there. And I disagree with them a little bit because you have players that are thinking about the future. You have coaches that are also thinking about their next move. So they're like, all right, look, we are 2-9 and nine or whatever their record is. I'm not going to be here next year. Let me start making some calls and let me figure out what's going to be open and where can I go, right? Right. So the, the, 
they are still putting in enough work to say that they're putting in enough work, but are they doing the countless hours that they had been doing in the offseason? So that in Debatable. that case with the coaches, it's not even just okay, here's the plan. Let's do less prep. Let's make sure we lose. It's I'm distracted because I'm thinking about the next thing. Correct. It's the football approach to, well, no, I don't I don't want you to beat me, but I'm just not as motivated. I, I think Correct. this like I disagree with Schefter, and there's a couple of reasons. Yes, you could say it's not ping pong balls, but in a way, couldn't you argue that it's even more important to make sure you then lose these games because it only yeah. comes down to tiebreaker and the tiebreaker and some of this if the Giants Correct. run the game back. Yeah. Like you're locking yourself into you know what pick you're going to have by losing these games. So there's more certainty when you lose the games and end up two and fourteen. Yeah, I don't think the term is tanking. I I, I can't I can't put my I can't find the word to describe the what it is it's not it's not okay tanking. but if it's not tanking distracted you, is a good but, word they're, but dis- they're distracted. distracted by the staff distracted by the not other motivated guys not motivated but Correct. what you are doing you can tell me you're not tanking Schefter can say well no they're not tanking they're putting in a game plan these guys still have to worry about the offseason sure all the, but you know what if it's the most important position in sports and all you know of a sudden you're doing? putting Geno Smith or a rookie in there yes. you're you're stacking the deck in your favor that you're less likely to win these games uh no, I, I disagree because you stunk with Eli Manning there anyway. Oh, no, see, but that's not fair. You're telling me that Davis Webb, Eli Manning available no. this weekend that you have the same chance of winning? Of course you don't believe that. No, Ryan, what I'm saying is that with your best opportunity, your best chance to win, you were still losing. So We if, agree if, on that, but now you, you've, you've given yourself even better odds to lose, is my point. With well, I, I, wouldn't never say better, I wouldn't say better odds to lose because – the point, so then you mean Eli and Davis Webb are the same guy? No. The point of the organization, the front office, mm-hmm. is to look towards the future. They have to figure out what is best for the Giants moving forward. They have two guys at quarterback behind Eli Manning that they said, we have brought them here for whatever reason, but part of the reason is for the future because Eli Manning will not be there for the next 20 years. I'm not saying either one will be the future. From what I've seen from Geno, he's not the future. But I don't know about Davis Webb. They don't know about Davis Webb. So it is it, it is a, a little bit um, it, it's a little bit uncertain why Geno Smith is starting over Davis Webb because, again, the point is to see the future and see can he be the next quarterback for the Giants in 2020. Forget this year or next year. 2020, 2021. So I see it from that perspective. I don't know. I think it's really black or white on this. Does Davis Webb give you the same chance to win as Eli Manning? But they're they're going through the motions. So they're not tanking. They're just going through the motions. So, yes, the coaches are putting a game plan together. Yes, the coaches are working hard to put that game plan together. At the same time, they're also figuring out where they're going to be next year If because it, it's a real possibility they're not going to be there. Then you have the players, as I said. If they're winning and things are going well, oh, yeah, I'll go. I'll lay out. I'll try to make that tackle. Things aren't going well. Let me save my body for wherever I end up next year if it's not going to be the Giants. So they're going through the motions, putting this guy in, I believe, well, Geno Smith, no. But if it were Davis Webb, he gets in somehow. I believe it's for them to say, well, what do we have now Look, moving forward? Do we have something we can work with moving I have forward? No, I have no problem seeing Davis Webb out there. And I think Correct. we both agree that it's kind of – it's almost like that. Think your fake... issue is with Geno Smith. No, it's – well, the Geno thing, him starting, it's this super protective world that we live in with quarterbacks and sports. We're like, we couldn't have Davis Webb start a game on the road. We'll mm-hmm. let Geno do that one. And who knows? Maybe Geno plays well at Oakland, and then he keeps playing. But then right. again, like, wait a minute, what's the whole point? Like, you're going to let Geno play the whole time? So Geno's in a tough spot here. But it feels a little bit like fake second string with okay. Chase Daniel 
when he was at Philly, right? And they trade Sam Bradford, and they're like, "Well, actually, you weren't ever second string. You've right. just been in the round longer." And Carson's a rookie, but Carson's mm-hmm. going to play. I do think we disagree, though. About I just I, I can't. Imagine. I I get your perspective. There's You're no saying, way Eli. You is the same level of of. I uh, I agree, but I would. Well, you know what? I could argue that, and I'll, I'll tell you why. You're saying that. I think you just did. I'll tell you why. <laughs> you you're saying that Geno Smith increases your chances of losing. Yes. Okay. I'm saying that the way Eli Manning has played this year, uh-huh. it doesn't increase or decrease your right. chances okay. of losing. That's what I'm saying. Maybe Geno and when there, I first what I'm saying is there is no difference putting Geno Smith in for Eli Manning right now. Not over his career, not what he's done for the Giants. I'm just saying right now, looking at the way he's played, uh-huh. Eli Manning. We all have to take an objective eye to what we've seen this season. It hasn't been that good. And I know all the issues of the talent or lack of talent and all that. I get that. But he still hasn't played that well. Yeah, we disagree. You think he has played well? No, just the whole point that as of right now, Geno Smith is the same, gives you the same chance to win as Eli Manning. Like, that's your point. And I still like you. So do you you think Eli Manning has played well this season? That's not what I said. I'm asking. Of course not. Then? Do you think that he's also part of the reason that they've been losing? Absolutely. Then? But I think if you were... If, <laughs> then if you put Geno Smith in, what is the difference? Uh, because it's Geno Smith. Oh, that's just not right. Geno Smith has won games as, as a starting quarterback. Would you be pumped if Geno Smith were your starter week one and you were in your prime? <laughs> you, don't have you have to. completely changed. No, but you, you completely sh- changed you, the context of what we were talking about. <laughs> you know what? Don't even answer that. Ring in the holiday season bouquets for your friends and loved ones from 1-800-Flowers.com. When you order a dozen assorted roses for twenty nine ninety nine, you get an extra bouquet for free. To order, go to 1-800-Flowers.com slash ESPN. I want to tell you this thing about Josh Gordon. He's coming back. He's going to try to play. Yeah. Um, the Browns are bringing him back. There's all sorts of commentary on I was on first take, but there's actually something else I want to talk about with Josh Gordon. So we're going to do that. Yeah. And then uh, we got Brewski, third hour, two, and our pick six. Vilma here, Rosillo Show, ESPN Radio. Here's the thing. Saving money with Geico is almost better than playing pickup basketball because there's always that guy who joins your game. He never passes the rock. He constantly bricks threes, and he'll completely hack you and then put his hands up and say, no foul, no foul. With GEICO, it's easy to switch and save on car insurance. No need to fake an ankle sprain because you're absolutely exhausted. So switch and save with GEICO. It's almost better than sports. Vilma, the Rosillo Show, it's ESPN Radio. And full transparency, I've been limping all day, day two, after a stupid <laughs> leg workout, and I just ate too much of a peanut butter sandwich. And uh, I How do you, myself You can't time. eat too much of a peanut butter sandwich. How do you do that? Too much the bite right before you're coming back on the air. Got it. See what I'm saying? Sure. Just a little bit too much. Sure. That's old old guy problems. Got it. The eating in a commercial break (laughs) and trying to get that one extra bite is something only the people that do the job understand. And every time, no, it's not an elitist thing. It's a, every time you say, don't take another bite, you always take the extra bite. And then you come back on the air and then you're like, I got to talk now. Yeah. Well, I'm just getting ready for these picks. So. Oh, all right. You're locked in over there. I am locked in. You're winning good week last week. Ooh. Can't say uh, same for you. Nope. <clears throat> Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Anybody ever call you just John? Yes. John, JV, Vilma, Jonathan. JV doesn't sound like a good nickname, even though it is your initials. Yeah, so I got that going all the way through, like, varsity. 
high school football and they say JV, oh, ha, 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 junior varsity. Right. Kind of yeah, not went funny. by the wayside. Not funny. NFL, 10 years. Well, then that no one made that reference anymore. I was already in college and or yeah. I was already in the NFL. So I'm the captain now. Um, I didn't say that. Can I tell you this Josh Gordon thing? Yes. I, I just want to do this, and I wish it had dawned on me when we had the story the first time on First Take because I went on with Stephen A. and Max and, and Will Kane. Mm-hmm. And they go, we want to talk about Josh Gordon. And we, we know Gordon has basically missed almost three full seasons. Last played December 2014. Mm-hmm. He's been suspended, I think, a total of 56 games. And that one year in 2012, he led the NFL in receiving yards, 1,600-plus. His quarterbacks were Jason Campbell. Brian Hoyer and Brandon Whedon. I mean, it's just that in itself. That should be Hall of Fame worthy for that one year. <laughs> so we know he's been suspended for substance abuse. He's lied yep. about it. He said he went to rehab once just to repair his image. His tone is completely different, but it doesn't mean it's true. But his tone is very different here. Mm-hmm. And then we do this thing where we go, well, what does he deserve? What do you want to have happen? I don't like public shaming of anybody. Uh, if he has an issue, I don't know if him coming back to football – helps i'd like to think it would help structure something to really lose here maybe football wasn't as important before he's still only 26 years old he can make it work out if he slips up if he gets suspended again does it mean it was football's fault but when we do this thing where we go what is he just i don't care he's playing football like when he really if we're really being i'm not asking him to watch my kids i'm not opening up a business with him Mm -hmm. i'm not having him watch my pet like when we do these shows and we ask, like, what does Josh Gordon deserve? If Josh Gordon has been this suspended and has cleared all of the hurdles and the NFL wants to bring him back and Hugh Jackson, the head coach, says he's absolutely going to start this week, mm-hmm. then good for him. Go for it. Does it mean it's a solution? Does it mean it's a guarantee that nothing's going to happen? Of course not. It doesn't mean any of those things. But we act as if it's this thing like, should he play football? Should he be allowed to play football? Should Is this the right thing? At the end, it's still just football. And if football's okay with bringing him back and the Browns are still okay with bringing him back, then why the hell should I have a problem with it? And I don't. Two things to that. Um, I agree. I agree with what you're saying. Two things to it. The first is football players, good football players, and football players in general, athletes, um, for whatever reason, because they're on TV and get a lot of FaceTime airtime, are automatically labeled or put into the category of a role model for the younger kids, for anybody that's watching them because they love fo- the younger kids love football, idolize football, and they want to be like whoever they're seeing on TV. So unfortunately, whether you agree or not, whether fans agree or not, whether Josh Gordon agrees or not, there is a level of responsibility that you have to take as an athlete because there are people younger than you watching your every move. Right. I'm not excusing this stuff. I'm just not going to shame him. Or I would never say he doesn't deserve a chance to come back right. because he's already slipped And up. that goes to my second part. So my second part is that the media picks and chooses when they want to view athletes as adults or as kids. Because when you decide, well, was the punishment good enough? That's like talking about a child. Was the punishment good enough for your child? And because football has been played and it's it's a kid's sport, adults playing a kid's sport, there are times when the media decides that they're going to view this particular athlete as a kid 
And then there are other times when you want to treat him like an adult and how, how he should behave, etc. You know, case in point, when players get a DUI, there are many other industries where a worker gets a DUI. It, it is what it is. They got a DUI. They go by law, they get trouble for it, whatever. Then all of a sudden it's, oh, my gosh, how can they do that? How could you get a DUI, et cetera, et cetera, as if that's your kid. And it's like, he's an adult. He got a DUI, he made a mistake, you move on. So there are times where the media has to stop doing that. Treat the adult like an adult. He's a worker. He's an employee for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, but that's the public figure thing. You're right, but that's Mm -hmm. just not the way. Like, public figure, non-public figure. Yeah, well, that needs to change. So you think public figures should be treated as non-public figures? No, public figures should be treated as adults and employees that they are. He's an employee of the Cleveland Browns, and as you said, he got in trouble. He did the time. Move on. That's it. You don't. We don't need to go into this now father-like figure of, oh, I'm so disappointed in Josh Gordon's actions. Who cares? He doesn't care. He's an adult. He messed up. Coming up next, a new AD for Tennessee and the contract details. Jimbo Fisher and Dave Doran said no to the Vols.